Hello, this is Gene and Bill from Unshelved, and we're here to annotate our first volume of comic strips, Unshelved. We're going to say the most earth-shatteringly wise, informative, educational. What am I missing? Of of two thousand three. Of two thousand three. And let's start with let's start with the cover. It's such a beautiful cover. And we're starting with the cover. I'm, I got to back up now. Hold on. I know. I know. I'm, I'm wrong footing you. If you're looking at your cover, you can you can listen along with either a paper book or ebook. They have the same page numbers. But if you're looking at your paper book cover and you look under Buddy the Book Beaver's arm and it's brown, you have the first edition. You mean where it, should, where it should be blue? Where it should be the space of? Uh, where it blue. should be the yeah, it should be blue. Um, it's still a pretty great cover. I mean, my proportion isn't right, and the character sizes aren't right, and the character designs have changed. But I still look at them and I think that's a very satisfying cover. What is the book in that old man's hand? Oh, it's Anne of Green Gables, isn't it? <laughs> it's, 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 and he burnt it with his, with his uh, uh, magnifying glass. I can't remember why you put Anne of Green Gables there, but I remember I, I, I insisted on Rom Space Night. I'm not sure you did. I don't remember anymore. I'll give you, I'll give you credit for Rom Space Night. It was it's, one? one of the few comics that we both read as children. And, you know, adults. Let's be, let's be honest. Uh, so this is just this is a fun co- a comic because it includes various bits from inside the um, book, and in fact, probably the only cover that really does include a bit from inside the book, except maybe the third one, Library Mascot Cage Match. What is that? What is that pink thing under Buddy? That looks a little lurid to me right now. Doesn't it? It's paint. Is it paint? Paint. Yeah. Looks like he's been. It's uh, a paint bucket. Looks like he ate too I know, much bubble gum. Like something or, or Pepto Bismol. Yeah, not good. Yeah. All right, we should move on. Why does Mel have pigs? You know, funny things happen in the library. Is that right? That's my that's my understanding. Never heard that before. So we're going to jump ahead to page six, which is when the first strip is. Page six. That's how I have it. Oh, I thought we had a whole discussion. This was page four. Oh, shows up at page this is page six for me. Anyway, the first the first bunch of strips. All right, I'm with you, man. So that first one, I actually use it in my uh, program I give at libraries as a before and after. I show this strip, the first and shelf strip, and then I show like the most recent one I've drawn as. As look what you can do if you're really not much of an artist, but you just draw every freaking day. And you know what? It gets better. I have to say, as not being much of an artist, this inspires me. What I like about this very first strip is that we could we could do that today. I could redraw it and run it today, and no one would bat an eye. Like those characters are fully formed that very first strip. Well, the only thing I bat an eye at is that that first one is uh, you know no computer on the reference desk. I mean, what is this like nineteen uh, you know seventy five? I don't know. It's two thousand one. It's February sixteenth, two thousand one. I, I remember my fear that when you put his feet up on the reference desk, I was going to get a bunch of crap from people who saw that. <laughs> well, it's sort of true, right? Like people, people write in and complain about the stuff that Dewey does because it's not realistic, forgetting that he isn't actually a comic character. Look at how, look at how old that looks for a second. It's, the phone actually has a cord, and there's no computer on the reference desk. Like that, that yeah, is yeah. really the 1970s. <laughs> Except the internet, the internet comes in almost immediately, like in in, in a few pages. It's like an ode to Jason Shiga's Book Hunter without the color. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have anything else to say about strips on this page? I can't, I, you know, I feel like there's a story about the second one. I can't really remember good, the story. Good, good, good like enough that? story. You like that? You like that? <laughs> I, like, I like the little sequence that begins at the bottom with the, the, the blind kid in the library. Like we're immediately trying to be relevant and diverse, and it was, it was a funny little thing. That wasn't me at all. I think I'd just been reading some uh, Daredevil comics, and I had to dox him when I was a kid. All right. Yeah. That all came together. Next page. All right. Page, uh, page whatever. I, I, you know, Colleen's, uh, Colleen's, Clothing choices clearly got better as the strip progressed. I, I think, but the, not much uh, better. I think black with white dots. Yeah, it was not <laughs> not a good fashion choice for her. We, we switched to white to black dots, which was slightly better. And then eventually, when we went color, it was light yellow with pink dots. And now it's light yellow with square dots. Now that she's not working in the library, obviously, once you retire from librarianship, you must switch your polka dots to squares. It's slightly more bovine, right? But it's like uh, the, the inverse of this looks better to me. I don't know what this is. But who's that superhero who uh, came out of the dots? Remember that the Marvel guy? Uh, he was no. a villain. 
You know, I'm thinking like, of yellow. I mean, think of yellow submarine though, where everyone comes out of the docks. Oh, I've got it out of my pocket. Is that part of Yellow Submarine? I've never seen that. Yes. Oh, see, Mar- Mar- Marvel still. I- I've never seen Yellow Submarine. It's know. literally true that in every conversation I have with you, I lose more respect for you. Because I haven't seen Yellow Submarine. It's just another reason. I just find those Beatles movies painful. I just can't. I can't yeah. wa- bring myself to watch them. Love their yeah. music. Can't bring myself to watch. Also, them so last trip on this page, I like how the seeing eye dog is used to get women in the end. Get ladies. Isn't that what they are for? As far as I can tell, that's the only people lose. The only people, only reason people lose their vision is to get seeing eye dogs to get ladies. Even if you're a lady, it's to get ladies. I think I think this is about one of those things that like I saw in the library when I started working there, where people people like basically just after they realize they just have to assert that an animal is a service animal that they will bring yes. in any animal like rats, yes. snakes, uh, birds. But we will we eventually touch on that in, in the next year or two. Yeah, this was like this was like the gentlest kind of beginning touch. And I, I I love that we bring Daredevil in, so it's yeah. all good. That's why he's called Matt. He's named after Matt Murdock, Daredevil. Because we couldn't call him uh, Ben after Ben Affleck. This might actually predate that. I'm not sure. All right, next page. All right. So I know I happen to know this top guy is based on a very real person. Oh yeah, he's the story. It, it's the stinky cheese man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that that really annoying patron who always had the new internet business ideas and just had no, he had no technical knowledge at all. We talk about him in which talk in uh, Surviving the Public, right? Yeah. 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 So we'd call him the Stinky Cheese Man every time he came in. And uh, he just never listened to a thing I had to say. It was horrific. I loved how he was, he was trying to be a technology magnate without having like the remotest bit of understanding of how to turn on a computer or underline anything in Word. I mean, there, is, there isn't a guy more custom-made to take part in a pyramid scheme, to be taken advantage of a pyramid scheme <laughs> than this guy. But uh, like, like nobody, nobody had even invented, really, the Internet pyramid scheme yet, right? Yeah. I'm always uncomfortable with this strip because I don't, I don't think it ages well because when it, when it was run, like it was after the election, Gore had already lost, but he says, maybe I'll just volunteer for the Gore campaign. So at the moment it ran, it was, it was topical and you, and you got that this guy was old, but now that you know it's an old strip and you don't know how old, you might think, well, I don't know, I guess he's going to go into politics. Like maybe this ran before the Gore, maybe this ran during the election. So that's the problem with topical stuff. I still think we should have said the Nader campaign. I don't know. And that's Fred. We call him Fred. He's the first appearance of Fred. Fred eventually tries to like buy Dewey's house. I don't know. It's complicated. No, Dewey, Dewey tries to buy Fred's house. He tries to sell his house to Dewey. Is Fred balder now? A little bit, yeah, as, as has happened to most of us. A little bit balder. Fred is the computer victim, right? Uh, no, no. No, no. Computer victim is computer victim. He's completely bald and older looking. Uh, he wears a t-shirt. I'm confusing these yeah. two people. Fred eventually, you'll see, gets a um, sweater vest. And never, never gives it. It's a, it's an Izod sweater vest. Hey, look, already you're making different choices for Colleen too on the bottom there. Yeah, yeah, it was. It burned my eyes too. Uh, I think the second strip down is probably one of the first strips I wrote. It stinks of my writing. Yeah, is that based on a Star Trek quote? What? No, it's from Yellow Submarine. <laughs> is it perfect? No, no, Jesus. <laughs> Who said, who, who said that except Sting? Like, like who, who's the original quote attributable to? You know? It's it's one of those sayings that, that, that wise people say. But somebody must have said it. Was, was it Ben Franklin? Was it, was it, uh... Yes, it was Ben Franklin. He wrote Yellow Submarine. I don't know if you know was that. Was it? Next page. I know Christopher Lambert didn't voice it, so... Next page. You can see me experimenting with speech bubbles here. Like, sometimes I have bubbles. Sometimes I have text with a little line from it. I, I haven't done a text with a line in years and years and years. And my bubbles have become actual ellipses. They, they used to be just kind of a curved rectangle or whatever fit. And my margins aren't very good. I was really afraid, like in the second or third panels, I was really afraid to have that word bubble go over the characters' heads. But these days I wouldn't hesitate. It, it looks like, it, like like the silhouettes are a bizarre choice in the second panel in the second strip there. Like like he's supposed to be getting a step stool, but he looks like he's... Uh... Uh, he looks like he's having relations with a step stool. It looks like he's uh, 
going to the potty a little bit to me. But that, that's... I, I will agree that the, the flaw is not not that I used silhouette, is that you have no idea what the silhouette's supposed to be. Like, if he were holding a, a step stool in the first panel and you saw that, that could work. Mm. But it's that's a mistake to introduce something new. Is this the first merge strip or no? It's the first one where he talks. Actually, no, he was in the oh. Sting Set Me Free thing in the previous one. That's right. Merv is actually in the very first strip. He does not, a non-speaking role. They walk on. This is the first video game reference, though. It is, yes. All right. Dewey has a, an uneasy relationship with Merv in video games. Sometimes he's more approving than others. Sometimes he's a part of it. Coolness comes and goes in libraries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these also stink. These, these second two strips all stink of, of my writing of me just kind of riffing. <laughs> It's funny, I can see it even back then. Uh, All right, next page. All right, Dewey, midlife oh, crisis. So, so I wrote a whole sequence about Dewey's motorcycle. So I had a motorcycle, and my experience of having a motorcycle was everybody everybody took the opportunity to find out that I had a motorcycle to tell me their worst motorcycle story. Like, I had a cousin who had a motorcycle. He died twice. He killed his whole family, and then he died twice. Did I, did I tell you my worst motorcycle story? Uh, no. Well, my, my, number one, my mother's uh, brother actually died on a motorcycle when he was 17. See, that's what people do. Yeah. Hey, motorcycle, I know someone who died. So my father, my father being very sensitive, of course, you know, this was years after the divorce, but he went out when I was nine and bought me a motorcycle for my birthday, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, promptly took me outside to ride around on the ice in it, as you do with a child. <laughs> How'd it go? Great. It was fantastic. Yeah. I had the best time. But uh, <laughs> I think... Nothing wrong with that story, apparently. No, but, but like, so, so of course, my, uh, my family... You're the boy who lived. That's You're right. the boy who lived. Well, my family had some, some property in eastern Washington, and uh, we were over there when Mount St. Helens blew up. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of crashes on the motorcycle, but I was pretty safe, generally. But I was always the littlest kid with a motorcycle, like in a gang of older teenagers who were very reckless. At a biker bar? No, well, might as well. You're the, you're the might mascot. As, might as well have been a biker bar. It was the only one who was ever sober. I was like, I think I was like 10. It was... May 1980, and uh, Mount St. Helens blew up. We got trapped over there. And so as you do when you're trapped on the other side of the pass after a volcanic eruption, we just rode our motorcycles through the ash, which was very powdery, <laughs> and, and about two and a half feet deep, right? Yeah. And like, like when you're riding through the ash, it's just kicking it up into your face because I was behind everybody else because I was the littlest, oh, nice. littlest motorcycle. Yep. And so I had to, I cut through a field, and of course you couldn't see the trail because the ash was just like, it was yeah. like, like imagine sifted flour all over the ground, yeah. right? Like two yeah. feet deep. But, but, but this would be paleo flour. It was, is this paleo? Does, does a yeah, volcanic it's ash literally cook? rocks. You can eat it, huh? It's literally rocks. Paleo cooking with volcanic ash. I think you should write that book. I'm a man of something. So I cut across a field that I thought was clear, and it turns out it wasn't. And I hit a rock going about 40 miles an hour. Luckily, it kind of acted as a ramp. And I managed, I, I mean, I knew how to jump the bike. So I pulled up on the, on the handlebars like I was going to jump, kind of just instinctually. And I, I pulled way too hard, and the bike actually landed on me. It wrapped around my leg, but it entirely missed, like, breaking my leg. I mean, it must have been just by the slimmest of margins that it missed. And uh, everybody else just took off. Like, they were, they were like, a mile away before they realized anything had happened. I mean, I landed fully on my tailbone, didn't, didn't get hurt, thanks to the ash, probably. Well, Gene, most days, most days I'm glad that crash didn't kill you. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. And then I had, to walk, I had to walk the bike back home, like, through the ash, just wading oh. through the ash alone. Yeah, nobody ever came for me. Well, you should write that story into an unshelf strip. Nah. I'm just admiring I'm admiring the excellent biker jacket and turtleneck that Doobie's wearing. Now there's a volcano in Mallville. Is that how we're going to write that in? Yes. Uh, there always has been. We just never mentioned it before. I don't see it. Yeah, so this is just a, this was an attempt to kind of project some of my own personal experiences of the strip. I, I don't have much to say about libraries except, you know, yay books. And so I periodically I just take over and write whatever I'm going, is going on with me. Next page. Oh, it's first question time. The first question time. So I think we encountered the question time in... Alex. Alex Robinson. Alex Robinson's box office. No, it's not yes. box office poison. Yeah, box office yes. poison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
is fantastic um, box office poison, which you should go read if yeah. you have never read. It's a graphic novel. So we did, this, we did this question time, and then I felt so guilty I wrote him. And I said, we totally stole this from you. I hope that's okay. This idea that you would have like a question and various people would answer it, and you'd learn something about the characters from the way they answer the same question. And he wrote back, and he said, oh, that's all right. I stole it from someone else. <laughs> I, which doesn't technically make it like okay, but you know it was okay. It was okay with me. Do you remember running into him? Yeah, yeah, we ran into him at a Terry, uh, Terry Moore's no, no, CBLDF party for Terry Moore. Yeah, it was the Strangers in Paradise closing party after the last issue yeah. came out, and like I, I just remember, I remember being like a couple drinks down and just like, yep. oh my god, you're Alex Robinson, and then I think he just pulled <laughs> me away by my scruff of my neck. Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, that's a pattern that's repeated itself at many a party in my experience. Yeah, uh, not mine. Oh my god, you are dot dot dot. Uh, so there's the first tomorrow. I think that might have been my last fanboy moment, though. It's it's funny. Like that was my last uncontrolled fanboy moment. Yeah, where you lost where you lost the power of speech of, of coherent speech. Slightly, right? slightly. Yeah, you've gotten so jaded now. Yeah. Hey, guys, Salman Rushdie, how you doing, man? They're yeah. just people. Yeah. <laughs> now I know. Yeah, they're just like Soylent Green. They're just people. After I ran into Salman Rushdie in the bathroom that one time, now I know they're just people. It's all good. We all just pee, you know, one, one leg at a time or whatever. Yeah. Who- <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's the worst thing about being a Comic-Con is the bathroom, right? And, like, if you're kind of mildly famous and have to use the bathroom, there's no place to yeah. go. I did once run into the CEO of, of Ingram, which is the company that distributes our books and, and other stuff we were doing business with, like, at the urinal. And it was, like, the most awkward thing. I'm like, hey, you know, he didn't see me, but I saw him. I'm like, hey, guy, we're standing next to holding our penises. <laughs> we do business together. I think one of our first Comic Cons, I had to. Uh, I was in line behind um, Peter Mayhew. Uh huh. Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Yeah, he's like he's like seven feet tall, and uh, yeah. I just he gets his own urinal. Oh, elevated. I, I just remember everybody in the whole in the whole bathroom, like pe- people lined up five deep. Yeah. We're we're just like staring at him, kind of trying to debating whether or not to ask him for his autograph, as he has to, <laughs> and he has to he has to kind of like it, it's it's incredibly awkward to be that tall because he has to kneel down yeah. almost to yeah. to use the urinal and like. I say right like I have any idea, but I can imagine. I just remember <laughs> shaking my head and just deciding never to, never to hassle anyone else as long That's as I live. That's the first Tomorrow Strip. Is it? There she is. That's my favorite letter. So we introduced our children's librarian there. And she also has not changed appreciably since then, but she gained some she gained some character attributes, which we'll, we'll add later. I wish I could remember what inspired her. Like, I think it was a combination of all the children's librarians I knew up to that point. Yeah. The, the one person she most reminds me of is Shannon. Shannon, Shannon but also there's a lot of... A woman who uh, used to be a children's librarian who I worked with originally, whose name was Elizabeth, in her, yeah. like, yeah. very kind. And the reference librarian, I think, that I worked with was the kindest of us all, and her name was Judy. Very, 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 very fun to watch uh, them deal with people differently than uh, the rest of us did. So so the next trip is one of mine, and it, it it's a pattern that my friend Sean, who's one of the guy I used to work with um, when I wrote software for a living, and has always been the first person to buy our books when they come out, which is very sweet of him. It's a little tradition we have. He loves this pattern where where Dewey says something in the in the first panel and then it cycles around and he says it in the last panel too. There's probably no more than a half a dozen of them, but hmm. he once he once told me this was his favorite. Is that Sean in Boston? No, in Seattle. I know a lot of Sean's. Apparently, you do know a lot of Sean's. Yeah. Oh, there's Fred again on the next page. Fred looking for a wife. Yeah, he never did find one. Although he might at some point get divorced, so maybe he did. We'll have to we'll have to see as it follows along. What's funny is I think I made this up and now. A local library system is doing uh, speed dating events for uh-huh. <laughs> for patrons. Libraries have gotten so much more flexible about the ways they attract people in and the services they try to provide that it's actually harder to make jokes because, you know, it used to be having a dating service in a library was funny, and now people are like, oh, no, we do that. But, but by flexible, you mean they'll do anything now to get people in the door? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't say whorish. I said flexible. Look at that. Tomorrow, tomorrow, not tomorrow. Colleen has gone back to the uh, poor color choice again. 
This is bad. And they're opposites of each other, strangely. Next, next page. Yeah, I remember people uh, like coming to the library with cigarettes in their mouth. And they're like, "I'm not smoking, man." <laughs> like, it's just like, get the hell out of here! Like, what's wrong with you? Put that away. And like, but it became this thing. It became this big, big issue. Like, smoking was clearly wrong, but but could you have a cigarette in your mouth in the library? I remember we had a discussion about this. Like, yeah, a serious staff discussion. Could you, could you chew a cigarette? I don't know. <laughs> like, 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 I think spitting in the garbage can was kind of outlawed, but not completely for a while. Yeah. What if you just held it in your mouth, and your cheeks just got bigger and bigger like a squirrel? I think the ear is clearly okay, right? You, you can have you can have a cigarette. You put it behind your ear. Well, I'd, be, I'd be like, well, I can't chew tobacco. Can I chew the cigarette? <laughs> can I chew the filter? Can you have Can you have a cigarette pack rolled up in your T-shirt under your leather vest? That's more of a fashion disaster than an actual. That is. Could be any kind of any kind of uh, little box, anyway. I like in the second strip how the guy is talking and eventually uh, Dewey and Merv just speak over him. I think, I think that actually conveys that pretty nice. I kind of wish we would do that more often. <laughs> so the third one you'll see, Tamara has different hair. And maybe for the last time. Oh, and, and Colleen has a different dress. I must have had extra time on my hands or something. Man, I like, I like Tamara's hair there. Should have stuck with that. Well, we didn't. Although I'm glad, you know, for your birthday strips, I didn't have to draw that. <laughs> I think I could never get that. Tamara is based on Alicia Keys. She was my visual model. I wanted to draw an attractive young African-American woman, so I she a singer? picked her. She is a singer, yes. I don't even know you anymore. She's a singer. Will you sing one? I'll sing one later. And so, and in that one photo, she was wearing a headscarf, and so I just always drew the headscarf after that, except apparently in this one. And this one, this one probably looks so hard to draw that I'm like, I'm going back to that. But we can see the first, uh, the first stuffed animal, but not the last, in the children's section of the Marvel Library. Nice. Apparently she has a collection. She does. Is that a window behind her, or is that a... Uh... It's a window. The, the children's section has a window, but of course you can't tell it's a window here. It could just be a picture, right? Oh, I assume that was in the back room, but I don't know. No. Next page. So, do, do, do. Oh, I like... So, So check out. They're making fun of obsolete technology in the second strip. Well, in, in the first strip, too, on the last page we were... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We had to go eight-inch floppy, because at the time we wrote this, if we did five-and-a-quarter-inch floppy, that might not have seemed old enough in 2001. You think, you think the kids are looking at this today going, what is that? What is that thing? I assume so. One of the things that somebody noticed is that like in, um, in Microsoft products, like in Word, to save, the icon is still a three and a half inch floppy, even though many of the people using Word have never seen such a thing. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, don't, I haven't checked the latest version, but it, it was certainly true recently. Okay, so the next one with Ned, which introduces Ned, is the first unshelved strip I ever wrote. It wasn't the first one I drew, but it was the first one I ever wrote. In fact... Um, the first one you wrote, but not the first one we wrote together. The first one, it's the first one I wrote. I mean, you and I had done some stuff together, and I was still working on this other comic strip and, and kind of trying to do both for a while. And then I sat down, and I'm like, well, what would, like, what would it look like if I wrote? So, so I just started, I wrote the first, and I had already developed this strategy, but it's worked out really well, which is I start a conversation between two characters. I have no idea how it's going to end. I just start a totally reasonable conversation between two characters, maybe sometimes making, you know, introducing a random thing. And then I just let the characters finish it, and usually a, a punchline erupts. And so when I started it, when he said, Ned, you can't do that in here, uh, I had no idea what Ned was doing. I just knew he was reading a newspaper. But by the end, the you know you can't censor free speech. And I'm like, well, what is he doing? And then it occurred to me. And Ned has been naked ever since. That one, that one little whim. It, it's funny. I think that's really the difference between you and I. Like, like I start with some weird story made up or kind of based partially in reality. Yeah. And then riff on that. And you start with yeah. like, you, you just start with an opening, right? I, I always do. And, and even when I'm writing not embedded here, I have a plot that I'm trying to like. I'm trying to hit the points of the plot. But I never know what the actual jokes are going to be very, very seldom ahead of time. See, every once in a while, I'll lay out, I'll lay out plot points in advance, like, like just kind of where I think, like what I think the beats are, but, yeah. but not always. Like, and and when I, even when I do that, I would say half the time I completely diverge from it because it goes a different direction than I expected. Yeah. 
when, I, when I'm writing on a bit of here, I'll write a plot line and then I'll break it into beats. Like in this strip, this happens, but even what happens is itself not necessarily funny. You know, Desmond loses his uh, mouse pad, right? That's just a thing that happens, but that's not funny. The joke is, the joke I never know. The joke is mysterious. It comes out of the air. It comes from above. Does it might come from below. Anyway, that, that is the best newspaper I've ever drawn. I've never drawn any newspaper since then. I spent so much time on that. I thought you I just, you just drew a newspaper. Ever. You drew a newspaper like last week. You were so proud of that, that little USA Today thing. Oh, yeah. Come on. Okay. It's not the last paper newspaper I've ever drawn, but I think this is the best newspaper I've ever drawn. Really? I, I think, I think yeah. the new one is better than that. And the, 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 the paper he's reading is called The Civil Libertarian. What is the picture? I don't know. Is that two dongs? Yes. Okay. Next you, page. You're right. Best, best newspaper you've ever drawn. I take it back. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm just remembering in looking at all these that there was a huge, uh, I had a hard drive crash and we lost the first years of strips. But at that time I was, and, and this was, we had submitted our book to the printer and then the hard drive crashed. So we were actually able to print the first book. And I had um, been, I was drawing on paper at that point. So we hired someone to scan all, you know, 365 strips. Ugh. But then I had to retouch them and... Did that really so, happen? So, I have no memory yeah. of that at all. And so the ebook is actually based on the, the scans and not on the original ones. And the only difference is, I mean, they come from the same art, but, but the way they were, the way I fixed them up on the computer afterwards changed. And so if you, if you carefully compared uh, the paper and electronic versions... Or for that matter, the second or third editions of the book, they would differ in small ways. Little, little interesting factoid. <laughs> who, who scanned those for us? Um, I can't remember her name. All right, next page. All right, it's Merv uh, reading, reading a video game manual. Space Dragons, apparently, was our go-to video game title for a while. Oh, well, that's the page I was looking at, but okay. Oh, this is the page you were looking at? Yeah, I, I didn't have any uh, else to say about this page. So I just, I just went on and on about this stuff. You have anything to say about this page? I like the I like the joke in the last one. Do you really? So that both bugs me, and this Christmas I spent time watching Die Hard, so I can't. Yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure you wrote the strip, just so you know. I probably did. Yeah. Next page. Uh, I love this. I love this first strip. I think it's one of the best strips we've ever done. We give you all the credit for it. Excellent. I'll take that credit. Is that that annoying woman who appears much later? Yes. Do we have a code name for her? Um, she's yuppie. I don't know. I sort of lost it in my head. I kind of know what she looks like. This is the first time, this is maybe the first and only time she lifts the hair off one eye. After that, her hair is always covering one eye. Hmm. And I kind of like this moment that she's kind of, when she says to him, young man, I never lose anything. Also, she calls him young man, but by, by now they're definitely the same age. She hasn't aged, but he has. And Dewey's wearing, Dewey's wearing heavy day shirt. So I love, I love the second one. I think that's directly based on an experience I had in the library. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's perfect. Nobody cares about anything until you give them the wrong, the thing they don't want. Then yeah. they suddenly care. That also reminds me of all the men who can't stand pink and are, are afraid of it, right? Like it's personally threatening to them. Their penis will fall off. And my, my goal in this podcast is simply to use the word penis as often as possible. Yeah, you're, you're using way more questionable language look, than look, I would look, You, you got to have a dream. Penis, penis, penis. All right, now we've caught, I've caught up. We, we, made, we still make the shirt that says book club in the fight club font, and, it, and it's pink, right? Because it's sort of, you know, book club. The fight club is pink. There's soap. Um. And, you, and once in a while, you get someone who they simply can't buy. They simply can't buy it for themselves, or a woman simply can't buy it, you know, for a man because they know that he could not wear pink. I cannot. I cannot wear pink. So. All right. I think we are done for today. Really? Well, let's finish off this page. It's a, a Superman reference. Superman. I like. I think that's the first time Merv. Maybe maybe the only time Merv touches Dewey, in a, in a comforting way. <laughs> From then on, it's purely sexual. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little strange. <laughs> I like it, dude. Superman is just a drawing. He's comforting him, but he also feels sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Crazy old man. It's okay. Now. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time. Okay. Thanks.